with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, a Bashir episode. <laughs> uh, ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? <laughs> no, I have no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to another batterific episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your utility belt wearing hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I'm joined by three, count them, three of my fellow Gotham City denizens and fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey Derek, think of the future. It's Mike. This is Justin, aka Party Man. Tony Jackson. Tony Jackson. I like Batman. All right. So we are here to discuss, in case you haven't figured it out, as of your listening to this, it will have been 30 years since the premiere of the original 1989 Tim Burton Batman film, and we all kind of wanted to get together and just kind of have a little go around and, and discuss the film, and kind of, I, I think I think one of my intents was maybe just to have a good time discussing it as an event more than a movie and kind of go into, you know, a, a, as, you know, me and Tony can attest to, like, we, we lived it, so we were there, you know, we remember this kind of stuff, so, you know. We, we narrowed the fuck out of that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I, we were there, we saw it happen, <laughs> don't tell us it didn't happen, because we saw it happen, and yeah, and then, and then you know, I, I know I know Justin was really keen on, on talking about it, the 30th anniversary, and it, it seems like there's, like, so much to talk about, really, like, I, I, I think, you know, for me, like, I, I kind of think of, like, when I, when I was I was just jotting down some things and I was kind of even telling Justin like this is almost like a preemptive strike on a on a history of comics on film video where I'm just gathering information and videos and things like I was trying to track down things I remember taping off of shows like Entertainment Tonight or there was this one show I was telling Justin about that was like basically they they had a film magazine that was called Premiere and they made a like a television special of the film magazine and it was hosted by Mark Harmon and it was that summer. So like there were all those movies coming out and most of them, the majority of them were sequels. And it's kind of funny because there's like this Siskel and Ebert like review of Batman where like Siskel liked it. Ebert thought 
the production value and the, the, the set design and all that stuff was really cool. But Ebert didn't like the movie. But, like, Siskel's like, well, it's better than all these, like, sequel movies. You know? And they got into this fight over He's like, well, and then Ebert was like, I like The Last Crusade better than Batman. And they got into, like, this argument about it or whatever on the show. But I guess my point in saying that is that premiere special hosted by Mark Harmon, it was like, they, they gave you, like, you know, sort of like a little behind-the-scenes thing on Batman 89, and then I think the other three movies were, like, I want to say, like, what was it, like, Star Trek V and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I think maybe one of the Lethal Weapon movies or something. So it was it, it was one of those things. And so... Yeah, I think three came out that year, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's what it was. And, like, I mean, there, there was so much anticipation for this movie. I mean, Tony, you, you can probably back me up on this, but like, personally, like me, I know I saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids twice. And you know why I saw Honey, I fucking shrunk the kids twice in the theaters? Because the Batman trailer was attached. The Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And it was like one of those things where you'd think like, well, do you want to say Honey, I Shrunk the Kids again? And, you know, in all further accounts, it would have been like, nah, that's fine. I saw it the one time. Like, I don't I don't need to see it another time. But I knew, like, oh, the Batman trailer is going to be attached to it. So I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll see it a second time. That's going to be cool. I get to see the Batman trailer again. And everybody was, like, super excited about it. And, like, literally, like, there were dudes in that theater that just came and paid their, like, I don't know, five or six bucks to see the trailer. Like, there were people, like, sitting down there. They they watched the Batman trailer, and then after the Batman trailer was done, they were like, deuces! And they were just, like, they lifted up their hands, and they're like, Batman! And then they just all, like, <laughs> left the theater and shit. And I, I kind of was like, well, I paid money to see this. I might as well watch Stupid Honey, I Shrunk the Kids again, at least. You know, so I stuck around, but... You know, at least it was a good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, there was there was just so much hype on this, and it was like I, I was trying to like think about this because it's like this was in an era when like this may be jumping ahead, but like Batman was one of the first films that came out on VHS. Like most times, like if a movie came out in the theaters, it'd be like a couple years before it was out on VHS. And like this, it was like it came out in June and then like somewhere around, I want to say like October, it was on home video. And it was, it was what they called back in those days, price to own, where it was like people could actually fucking afford it. It wasn't one of these like 99 99 videos. That that was like, you know, I probably like 29 bucks or 19.99 or whatever the the standard retail price was. I I guess the reason why I mentioned that is cuz I I think now we live in an age where it's like 3 months later, it's out on Blu-ray, like if you want to watch something a gazillion times, you can. If you don't, you know, you don't have to. If you're not into physical media, you can stream it or you can, you know, watch it on Netflix or whatever whatever kind of service you use and all this other stuff. I don't know. Like for us, I, I was just thinking about it because right now my philosophy is kind of like if I'm interested in seeing a new movie, like I almost sometimes don't even want to watch all the trailers to a new movie. But back then, like the hype and the anticipation, like, I mean, I, I guess the, the reason why I'm talking about this, the preamble to the movie was I spoiled the fuck out of this movie for myself. And I didn't care. Like, like the hype for this movie was so strong. Like I just, I spoiled the crap out of it. I read the movie novelization 
I I taped the trailer off of Entertainment Tonight and watched it like five hundred fucking times. Like I, I watched all these like you know premiere show and like you know there'd be like news channels like besides Entertainment Tonight that would have like little behind the scenes specials and stuff and I would tape those and like just get all into it. Uh, you know I'd read articles and Starlog and Comic Scene and all this other stuff and it was just like you you inundated yourself with all this information or like comics interview and like th- there's all these things I can think of that that I I read and got into and I was reading about you know the screenplay and just anything you could do. I remember one of the things that pissed me off was there was this contest, I think it was in Starlog, where it was like one of those things where they said, oh, if, and 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 this is going to point to, I, I'm going to get a reputation as a, a dude who hates stupid British kids or whatever, but this wasn't a British kid. But anyway, I, but I'm going to get this rep, like I hate little kids in movies or whatever, but like, the, okay, not the kid who played Bruce Wayne, but you know the kid in the beginning of the film that is like the analog to Bruce Wayne, like where He's in this. Oh, the kid. With the yeah, yeah, oh, in the city yeah. scene, and he's got the shirt. You know, okay. you know, he's a mark. He's got the tourist shirt. Mm-hmm. This is like I love Gotham, and it's like, oh, you and your family are about to get ripped off because you're a stupid fucking kid with this fucking t-shirt in the middle of like the worst, you know, cesspool in in in, in all of of uh, fictional comic book land or whatever. So that kid was a contest winner because they had this contest where if you wrote an essay about Batman, you would get a role in Batman. And that's who that kid was. And I remember when I heard the words essay and contest, I wrote something. It probably wasn't very good. But the point of it was, was like, I wrote a fucking essay. Like, like a school essay where you had, you know, it was like, I was trained how to write an essay, you know, I, I went to school, you know, like I, I wrote like, you know, your beginning opening paragraph that kind of detailed like, this is my theme and my thesis, and this is what I'm about to discuss in these next three paragraphs, and you had your introduction and your middle portion, and then your, your body, and then you had your little conclusion paragraph, and so it was like, I, and I was like, holy fuck, like, that's a lot, like an essay, okay, well, I'll try to write my best essay on Batman man and so i wrote my essay i wrote my five fucking paragraphs and sent it in and then when i saw the winning entry it was like a fucking haiku it was like it was like it was like the dude the kid you know and it was like one like i think my aunt was like oh that whole thing was rigged like you can't tell me a 10 year old kid wrote that and like and then the other thing was like i think it was like something like batman you know uh, you know shadow of the night blah 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 beware forever and that was like the whole and i was like i was like that's not a fucking essay fuck you like <laughs> this is bullshit you know so i was anyway the the point is there was tons of hype for this like like there was the warner brothers catalog like if you were back i'm like i'm like justin's just justin's about to to cut in the the uh in the shit clip were you in the shit yeah i was in the shit but I, I was back in the shit, and like, and like, there was the Warner Brothers catalog, and like, you, you, you pre-ordered the Toy Biz Batman toys, the shitty fucking Toy Biz Batman toys, and that it was like the Batcave and the Batwing with the little suction cups and all this other fucking shit, and and like the the Batmobile that didn't even have like the the canopy that closed because it was an open canopy. Yeah, and a stupid light little shell. Yeah, the shell that was just like a plastic piece of crap and all this stuff. Anyway, you you pre-ordered all that stuff it took for fucking ever to get it i mean it wasn't like you know mail away 
Kenner Emperor forever, but it was like it was pretty close. Like it took forever to get that shit. Hey, hey, hey Derek, there's Bob the Goon doll for his high demand. Come on. <laughs> it took for fucking ever to get that Bob the Goon that did the 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 kick power action feature or whatever. It took a long ass time to get those. And it's like and now I'm kind of I'm I'm slightly embarrassed, but I'm gonna own up to this. Like I have the lithographs. Like I have the lithographs that were that that were supposedly drawn by quote unquote drawn by Bob Kane. So it was like there was the one with like the the one that actually looked like the Batman movie and had like the the image of Jack Nicholson's Joker as kind of like a floaty head and the shadows of the background and you saw like the Batmobile and and Keaton's Batman and it was kind of like a little film reel that kind of uh was the the edge of the piece you know that kind of framed it i guess and then and then there was a more quote-unquote traditional bob kane image where it was like batman was swooping down he didn't have the yellow oval and it was you know it was kind of like a uh you know i i call it maybe a true bob kane image for whatever that's worth you know like like the it kind of had like the you know the the purple lining in the cape and all this stuff and he's he's swooping down over the street light and he's about to jump in on Joker, Penguin, and and Catwoman, and they're all kind of traditionally Golden Age, Silver Age kind of costumes. Or you know, Catwoman was in the the purple dress, you know, and everything like that, and so in the, the the green cape and all that stuff. And so th- those were the two lithographs, and I remember having those. And there there was all kinds of kooky shit where you had like hats, and I, it's like I didn't even dress up like Batman for Halloween. I actually dressed up like the Joker for Halloween, but we ended up buying one of those latex. Batman masks just because I used to make all kinds of like Doogie Howser homemade fucking home videos and all this stuff for fun. And like that mask was like, we were like, this is awesome. And like, I, I, I basically like, like it didn't matter that that mask probably cost like 80 bucks or whatever. It was like, it was like, we got so much use out of that fucking mask. It was like, you know, the dividends were, were repaid. You know what I mean? Like, because, because it was like, we would swap the mask. And once we were wearing the mask, we do like little monologues in front of the camera or we, 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 we'd lip sync fucking Prince music videos and stuff to like, while we were wearing the mask and I was like twirling around a baseball bat while I did it. Like I did all kinds of stupid shit. So anyway, the point is like this, this, the hype for this movie, like before you even got into the fucking theater was, was ginormous. It was huge. What about you, Tony? It it was, it was really crazy. It was like, it was like when the, the trailer dropped on TV I don't know if I saw in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but I did see, like, you know, like, coming this summer, you know, and it was like, you know, like, I bet that. And it was like, holy shit, you know, it was like, you, you, you're immediately, like, punched in the face. You're like, oh, well, well, I know what I'm doing for the next four months. But yeah, it was, it was, it was permeating everywhere. You could not run away from it. There was like, you know, if you did not have a yellow bat signal, like with Batman emblem t-shirt in 1989, you were useless. You were not a member of society. You had to have some kind of Batman merchandise, either a ball cap or a t-shirt or yeah. fuck, I don't know, some underwear or something. You, you had to signify that you knew who Batman was and you were on board the fucking hype train. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. I mean, I, I remember going to the theater more than once to see that movie. And then, you know, you wear like, t-shirts and i i did have like i don't i don't know if it's like a ball cap but it was like one of those like tight caps i, I don't know what you call those i mean it was kind of like a baseball hat but then it like 
it was form fitting. I've heard, I've heard some people call it utility utility cap. cap. Yeah, it was probably something like that. It was like a utility cap that had like it was kind of white and had like the probably like a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez praise be his name image of Batman on it or something like that. The rim was was black or whatever. But you know, yeah, I mean, there there was all kinds of shit floating around like towels and. Uh, Pez dispensers and you know uh, yeah yeah and like people talk about like Star Wars and stuff now how like you know it's it's every dude man like Batman was selling like fucking cereal yeah yeah he cereal. Was selling, you, like, you know what you know what you know what I still pen, I, I, mean, I I don't know I I probably still have it somewhere the cereal came with like this cheapo plastic bank of like Batman's it was like a Batman. Uh, what's the right word? Like a bust? Like it was only from the waist up. And it was this cheap plastic Michael Keaton Batman thing. And the reason why I call it a bank is because you were supposed to like, you know, stick your change in it or some shit or whatever, right? And it was like, it was like a Batman quote unquote bank, you know, or whatever. And that was like wrapped up with the Batman cereal. And there was like, there were, there were cups at Taco Bell. Like there, there was all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was selling like Diet Coke, everything, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was like, even if you didn't know who Batman was, let's say you were like, I don't know, somehow, some way, you're like a 20-something who just moved here from Lithuania, and you, you never got exposed to Batman, you never got exposed to comics. If you moved here in 1989, especially like from like March until the movie's release date, within a week's time, you were a Batman fan, you were like, <clears throat> you were wearing the fucking shirt, you know, it was like... I just come over from Lithuania. Now I have Batman shirt. Yay. You know, it's like, it's like, you could not run away from it. It was, it was, it was so crazy. It's like, it, without even seeing the movie, by the time you saw the movie, you had already been so inundated by all this stuff that like, you know, I, I think that's why a lot of people are Batman fans now. Cause there was that, that just that time where it was just a downpour of, of Batman and like you know, it was like you know, and I, I think that's probably why I became a Batman fan. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, you know, I have peer pressure. I was I was t- told by by media that Batman's cool, and I'm like, Batman is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I imagine this co- th- this is the part of the episode where where uh, Justin and Mike remind us how old we are because I'm I'm guessing like you, you you do not. I mean, I could be wrong, but but I I don't imagine you share our vantage point on 89 batman like do you do you want to go into at least a preamble before we start talking about the movie of like like how you want to see it or or how how if if any of this zeitgeist affected you at all like bat mania i guess like skipped me like entirely like i don't know i think i was just more excited about ninja turtles and transformers at that time and it's funny because i know Oh, I saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in theaters, but like, I, I don't know, maybe I didn't see the trailer or it just didn't excite me or whatever. But like, I, for some reason, like I, I didn't see Keaton, like either of the Keaton Batmans until I was like, I don't know, like probably 10, 11. Like I saw Batman, the animated series before I saw them. So like, yeah, like this, this whole thing, like skipped me entirely. Like I. I have zero nostalgic memory of of this movie. Basically, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I saw Batman when I was ten, but I saw it in nineteen eighty nine. So, like for for your vantage point, when you say you saw it at ten, yeah, it was like nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety four, probably. I was thirteen. <laughs> <up>. uh, 
what, what about you, Justin? I, as far as like pre-hype before the movie came out, like I remember we talked about it a little bit at school, but it seems like we didn't really, we weren't like super excited until like the last two weeks of school for some reason. I don't know if somebody like brought uh, brought an issue of Starlog to school and it got us hyped up or or whatever. But um, I just remember those those last two weeks of school, everyone was kind of like talking about Batman. And then we we were all kind of like, oh yeah, we're I'm gonna go see this uh, over summer break, and we all were like uh, super excited and stuff. And then I see here, here's the weird thing about like memory, like I always thought I saw this in the theater, but apparently I didn't because I was like talking to my mom about like movies I saw in the theater, and she was like, well you know, I took you to see Fox and the Hound and Oliver and Company and Land Before Time, and then, you know, Ghostbusters 2, I did see that that same summer. And then I was like, well, I saw Batman 2, and she was like, well, no, we we thought that was too, you know, violent Mm. for you, so I didn't see. But then, I don't know, I just, I like, I have memories of seeing the movie, and I think maybe I just remember seeing, like, the trailer Mm. in the theater for some reason, because I can remember, like, specifically sitting there and seeing sitting there and watching certain scenes and i'm just like well maybe i just saw the trailer um as for like all the hype like after the movie came out like i do remember that like i i had a batman hat t-shirt uh most of the toys i got for christmas that year were batman i got the batwing which i thought was great i finally got a batman figure because and i think i said this on a old podcast like for the longest time like all i had was like i had robin and i had mr freeze and i didn't have a batman I didn't get one until like Christmas. I, I know we'll probably go into this much later, but like, as for like the soundtrack, I remember everyone was super into it except for me. When when you say soundtrack, do you mean Danny Elfman? No, I mean I guess I mean like the Prince okay. Music. So you, so you mean like the 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 Prince album or whatever? You know you know I mean I yeah. I don't mind just briefly saying like I think when I I mean. Me and Tony were there. We were watching this kind of stuff on MTV and stuff like that. But, I mean, I... Okay, you know me and Tony love this, that that those that album and those songs, given, you know, these late nights where we're sitting there singing the song for you and all this other shit, right? <laughs> but I, I, I think, like, when when I first saw that, there, there was a weird... It was like, it was a weird feeling because you're like, okay, this is Batman-related, so I... I have to like it, but it's also Prince music, which I, I didn't have anything against, but I didn't, I, I don't know that I was necessarily, I mean, I I think, you know what's funny is I, I see a bunch of movies in the theater, and I, I don't think it made a difference, like, I mean, I, I think it made some difference, like, I think there were, like, a few movies where my mom and dad were like, oh, we're going to leave you home with a babysitter, but, like, a lot of times, they just kind of took me with them and stuff like that, so, like, I remember seeing stuff like Purple Rain in the theater, so it's like, that's that was, like, my earliest memory of Prince, was, like, the Purple Rain movie or whatever, and, like... See, he had, he had a lot more adult kind of pop Yeah, songs, yeah. yeah. I, I think your parents and mine were, like, the complete opposite, because, like... I'm pretty sure I didn't get to see Dick Tracy because of Madonna mm. and maybe Prince played something. Maybe Prince played a part of Batman. Cause like, I know my mom is not into that kind of music at all. Well, It's funny. Cause like, if you, if you look at that, that first bat dance music video, it's kind of, I mean, for, for the time, like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like looking at it going, Oh shit. Like the, that, that, that part where he's like, 
going through all the Vicky Vale's legs and stuff. Yeah. I was just like, holy fuck. Like, I, I guess, you know, like I was sitting there going, oh, that was, that was pretty risque for the time, at least, you know, like that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, but I mean, it is like, you know, this whole pop star, rock star kind of mentality thing. So it's not, it's not unexpected, you know, like kind of thing. But, but I, I guess, uh, you know, the only thing I was trying to uh, communicate, I guess, is just that I, I don't know that I was, I, I don't know that I immediately embraced Prince's soundtrack. I think I, I I was the type of guy who went out and bought the Danny Elfman soundtrack and listened to it till my ears bled, and then was like, "Well, d- do I want to buy this Prince thing?" I'm like, "Well, it's got Bat Symbol on it." Well, I don't know that I I don't know that I like this that much. But I think like later on when I I became a little more, uh, you know, I, I'd say like the my appreciation for that album came much later than it was it, it it wasn't necessarily in full swing during the hype even though I do remember you know like like I described to you I do remember recording like the music videos off MTV and we did do like ridiculous lip syncing home videos of it you know but but I I think that was more almost like we couldn't believe like how I don't know to to me like like with all the dialogue and everything it's kind of like when me and Tony are going into the the song and stuff like that. Like some of it's like so ridiculous to us. Like we were, it was almost like we thought it was funny. You know what I mean? Like kind of thing. So it's like, it was like part of the hype, but like, you know, not necessarily something that I immediately embraced. I was just going to say, it it was just so weird to have Prince and Batman to be like, you know, coming this Christmas, the Lord of the Rings, the twin towers with soundtrack by Eminem. You know, it's like, what? (laughs) I, I kind of feel like this whole episode owes its genesis, genesis to the Prince music because, like, to pull back the veil for the listeners, like, this has been in, kind of in the works since, like, last year because, you know, late one night, you know, Derek, Tony, and myself, we were just kind of shooting the breeze, and I mentioned that 2019 would be the 30th anniversary for Star Trek V, and we should, you know, do a show about that. And then I was kind of thinking about that, and I thought about all those movies that came out that summer, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, I guess it's the 30th anniversary for Batman. And then Tony immediately started, like, talking about the, the Prince music, and for, like, the next two hours, Derek and Tony were singing the whole, like, <laughs> Prince repertoire. <laughs> uh, totally, it is totally an uh, uh, earworm, like. That, yeah. that Batman song, it just gets so stuck into your brain, even if you hate it, if you think it's the worst song in the world, which I don't. I think it's actually pretty catchy. But, like, you'll just be sitting around just, like, bopping your head, like, singing the, like, you know, verses in your brain, you know? It's just, it's that kind of song. Yeah, um, well, since we're getting into it, like, I, I do remember all of my friends, they were into, like, that music, the Prince album. And it just wasn't my kind of thing. And I don't think I've ever really been a big fan of prince like i dated this chick in high school she really liked prince and i was exposed to some of his music then but i even then i was not quite crazy about it but then like that night you guys were singing like all those songs like i kind of sat down and listened to the album and i was like you know this is this is really good like i like this and like it's (laughs) it's something i listen to pretty often now like if i'm if I'm sitting down at the computer and I'm like working on pictures I've taken that day and I want to listen to something like nine times out of 10, like that'll be part of my playlist. And I'll just, you know, edit my photos while I'm listening to like, you know, Party Man or Lemon Crush or whatever. Since since we are talking about it, 
I'm, I'm just going to go into a minor mini rant because the way I decided to, since I've seen Batman 1989 like a billion times, and that's not an exaggeration, that's a literal figure, like a billion. Um, since I've seen it that many times, I was like, oh, well, how am I going to make this new and interesting for myself when I rewatch it for the episode, you know, that we're recording? And I was, like, sitting there going, oh, I've never listened to this, like, Fat Man on Batman commentary. God, fuck it. Okay. So I put that on, and I started watching the movie and everything. And I have a lot of things to say about that, like, in terms of the movie or whatever. So it, it, I'm sure a mini rant would turn into, like, a mega rant or whatever. But just in terms of, for the purposes of talking about this Prince music, it's it's Kevin Smith and then, I forget the screenwriter's name, but it's, like, one of his buddy cohorts. Uh, Mark uh, I think so. He's, he's like, the, the black guy who, who, like, wrote a bunch of screenplays, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So, so he's he's doing the podcast with his buddy, and and they're talking about it, and then they they get into like, you know, some of the Prince music, and the guy says like, well, I don't think Prince got a chance to watch the movie because none of the songs are about this movie, and I was just kind of like, I mean, maybe I'm stupid, but I'm just like, what the fuck movie and music were you listening to, dude? Like, I mean. I don't know. There's a, there's a song called like you know you like keep Vicky waiting or whatnot. Like and all like that I stuff, don't you know? I don't like, I don't get it. And then and then to me I'm like and and I think maybe he was focusing explicitly on some of the music they used in the film. But even that I'm like, dude, like trust that song. Like the reason why they say trust. Who do you? It's because the Joker says, "Who do you trust?" Hubba hubba hubba, money, money, money. Who do you <laughs> trust? And the song is about like I can make you happy, I can give you a million dollars, and I I will do you right, and all this you know sex. It's not that type of party, you know. This is like about trust and blah blah, blah whatever. Anyway, the fucking point is. The music is about shit that's, I mean, to me, whatever you feel about the music, if Prince is not your thing, or if Prince is your thing, I'm just kind of like, no, dude, you're, you're wrong. Like, this music is stuff that's about and in the movie. Like, you're, you're just way off on that. Like, you just made that up, because I don't, I don't think that's true. So that's like one of my little, I don't know, like, what, I don't know, I was listening to that, that whole commentary, and I, I don't know, it just, kind of rubbed me the whole thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way not not in terms of batman 89 but in terms of i don't know they they, they were trying to have this like i don't know vantage point like they were fucking uh homo sapiens looking at crow magnon shit you know and i was just kind of like i don't know dude like like i guess like you know i guess i'll just go into it but like my my thought is and i have nothing against most of the Marvel movies. I like the Marvel movies, but I, I think certain things kept coming up where it was like, you know, not even, you know, they, they're saying, never mind the Nolan Batman films, or never mind, you know, I don't know, Mask of the Phantasm, or Kevin Conroy, or, you know, wh- whatever thing you point to is like, this is my Batman, and Michael Keaton is not my Batman type, you know, argument. The The thing that kind of drove me nuts was they kind of just said, well, hell, you know, Iron Man and Marvel movies and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just kind of like, you guys know that you're talking about a movie that's, well, maybe at the time of the podcast it wasn't 30 years old, maybe it was 25 or something, but who the fuck cares? 30-year-old movie. You know what? Come talk to me about the Marvel Studios fucking movies in 2038 when me and Tony are ghosts on the Justice <laughs> Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning podcast recording with Mike. Like, come fucking talk to me then about how well those movies is, have held up. Because 
I don't want to hear it when they're only 10 years old and you're talking shit about this movie. Like, because it doesn't, I don't know, something about that just kind of, like, rubs me the wrong way. And not that I'm saying this movie is perfect, because it's not. But, I don't know, it, it, it's just it's just a weird lens, because I, I feel like, you know, you know how, like, some movies, like, you go back, or people go back, and there's this, like, grandiose thing where people have a, a I guess what I'd call a re-evaluation of a movie. Like, like a good example of that is, like, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Like, most people, when that movie came out, and, and I think Tony will back me up on this, when that movie came out, people were like, what the fuck, no Michael Myers? Fuck this movie. Like, that was... That was kind of the general reaction to that it movie. Considered a Halloween movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, this isn't a Halloween movie. Fuck you. Give me my money back. You know, like that. That was the the, the general reaction. But then, you know, it's like wh- whatever you want to say. Like thirty years later, forty years later, people are looking at that movie and going, you know, if if I just set aside this whole Halloween franchise and it doesn't have nothing to do with Michael Myers, it's still a John Carpenter film. It's suspenseful. Like it's got a lot of good qualities about it. The acting in it is good. Blah, 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 blah. It ends suspensefully like, wow. And then, and the way the kid puts on the mask and it's all creepy and shit and yada, 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 the, the maggots. And anyway, the point is people go back to it. They, they quote unquote reevaluate it and kind of go, you know what? I, I was way too harsh on that because I had a s- certain set of expectations and the movie could have never hoped to live up to those because I was expecting, you know, I don't know. I was expecting a uh, 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 Big Mac and somebody gave me Taco Bell and it like just freaked me out. But that does not mean that like Taco Bell is not maybe it's a bad example, but you know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't mean that Taco <laughs> Bell's not a meal, right? Like it's, it's still, you know, you're like, OK, this is this is a, a fast food meal. And it, it has its merits, and, 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 and a Big Mac is a fast food meal, and it has its merits, but just because you, you gave me one and I was expecting the other doesn't make the other one, like, the most horrible thing in the universe. And I get that, and I appreciate that, but I kind of feel like with with that commentary I listened to, it was almost like not a re-evaluation, but like a de-evaluation of the movie. Like, it was almost like, you know how, like, some... They, they, were, they were almost adding, like, the movie just came out. And it has to like live up to current standards. Almost. Yes, and 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 kind of like, or 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 that they were. You know how I all frequently say I'm not going to apologize. Like I bought a shit ton of Rob Liefeld comics. Like I feel like it was the opposite. It was like they were like sheepishly like, duh, I bought all these dumb Rob Liefeld comics. Guess I should apologize. Like boy, these were terrible. I contributed to the collapse of the comics industry. Woe is me. You know, like like that was kind of the the attitude about this film almost. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't. I I guess I they, they were like ashamed of yeah, it. Yeah, and I I, I kind of feel like he didn't learn his lesson because it's like they, they go into this whole track. I mean, if you listen to people, most people that that experienced Adam West Batman in the era that 89 Batman had its own Batmania, you know, along with, say, like, Frank Miller's Dark Knight and everything you were issued as a Batman fan as a, as a kid, you know, they slapped the copy of it in your hands and it's like, read this, you know, whatever, right? And, and, and so it's like you read the grim and gritty stuff, you watched the 89 Batman, and then you had this period where you rejected the Adam West stuff because you're like, that's not grim and gritty, that's not real Batman, meh, and you're like this stuck-up little kid that thinks he, he's into badass stuff or whatever, where Batman has a bloody lip and all this other kind of bullshit. And then, 
you know, like, like, like Mike said rather eloquently recently, you know, and, and, and it's been my own experience. You know, you're 17 and you're innocently watching Batman 66 and the shark scene comes up and you're laughing your ass off with your friends. You're fucking crying. And you realize, like, how genius this stuff is because the 66 Batman worked on you when you were a kid. It works on you when you're an adult. It, 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 it goes through the whole gambit and all this other stuff. And, I, I kind of feel like, you know, the notion that at some point you go through a phase where you reject the 66 Batman and then you come back to it and realize I was lame for rejecting it. I'm not going to reject it anymore. I kind of feel like right now people, some people are going through this phase of like, well, that 89 Batman just isn't really Batman, man. You know, like, and it's like they're rejecting it. And I, I feel like, you know, maybe... 10 or 15 years from now, Kevin Smith's going to be like, I shouldn't have said that. You know, like, I, I, I should have stuck to my guns and said, you know, what a fun time I had watching this movie and not apologized for having that be a big influence on me. You know, because it, it feels, I don't know, it, it just feels strange. But that's, I guess that's my, my little mini rant or whatever in the middle of this. I, yeah, I could I could have, like, I, I don't remember exactly but I do remember that, like, I don't know if I said Adam West Batman was lame or cheesy in the late 80s, early 90s. But I'll tell you the damn truth. Even if I did say it to my friends, my stupid little fucking punk ass was watching Nick at Night with Batman for like an hour every night at 11 o'clock. So I must have liked something about it. Yeah, it's easy to say that 89 Batman has aged poorly because it's 30 years old. I mean, shit. That's, that's an easy way out. But I mean... At the same time, you know, how could they forget what it actually did? They really did, you know, like change the change the box, change how you think of things. You know, it was like Chris Reeves, Superman, Donner's Superman. Like this was nothing like that. That was like a hopeful, like, you know, be good to your, you know, be good to your parents, kids and stay in school and don't do drugs kind of thing. You know, whereas like Batman comes out, you know, and like, you know. Joker's like, do drugs, it's cool, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, Batman is like, you can solve all your problems by punching them. You know, it's like, it's crazy how how it, it was a different uh, type of movie at the time. And, yeah, for, for them to, to say, like, you know, to poo-poo on it and just be like, oh, man, look at this, this old stuff, you know? How did we like it so much back then? It was like, because it's fucking good. You know, it was I mean, I mean, there. you know, don't get me wrong. It's not like they didn't point to a couple moments and went, "Oh man, this is this is so good" or whatever. But I, I just felt like there there was that weird undercurrent of like I don't know if because they were doing a commentary, they felt like they had to get into critical gear or something. And I also kind of felt like since since he wasn't hawking something, like since he wasn't selling something on like the DC universe or something, like he felt the freedom to like really and and like. I don't know, say like maybe, you know, Ben Affleck wasn't suited up as Batman. He could, he could somehow be a little more critical in hindsight. That maybe was what was fueling some of that as well. He he, he didn't didn't have any bosses to, to appease. Yeah. 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 He was just kind of shooting the shit with a buddy and they were, they were kind of cracking jokes and, and, and kind of, you know, I I think they were kind of making light of like, well, why doesn't the Joker just go to the, or why doesn't, you know, Jack Napier just run to the exit, man? He's had like five times to do it. It's like, why is he flipping all these switches? Like, why is he doing this? You know, and they're, I don't know, like, like some stuff, like, I mean, some stuff I get and like some stuff I feel like 
kind of how I used to feel about Star Wars, where I like read all the books and novels, and there was always some hokey ass explanation of why things happened a certain way in the movies. And if you were, if, if somebody had a criticism of it, you could just go, well, the novel in this says that, and then this happened. And because the novel says this, this is now my head cannon or whatever. So like, I, I feel like there were a lot of those things going on in my mind where I had like head cannon from various like articles right. I'd read about the screenplay or various drafts or the novelization, you know, thing, things like that. Where, where well, I, like I you felt said, like you almost saw the movie before you saw the movie. So, yeah. 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 Like, I mean, there, there's crazy stuff. Like, like I, I was getting flashbacks to like things that happened in the, 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 the movie. Like I know, I know Justin, you know, wanted me to do the, you know, let's get nuts thing or whatever, but like that scene, like, there was so much rewriting going on in that, like in the novel, like, have you read the novel, Justin? No, I haven't. Okay. Like get ready to do a total Dragon Ball Z anime flop or a master Roshi, <laughs> like blood spurt nose or whatever. Okay. Like I probably, I probably read that novel, like heir to the empire. Like I probably read it in like a day. Like I, I, I ripped through that fucking book. Cause I was so like, it was like, I didn't want to read what I was actually assigned to in like, you know, school, but like that I read through it, like nobody's business. And like, it probably wasn't like, you know, it's not like it was fucking war and peace. It was a novelization of Batman. Right. Like, so it wasn't like it was, I'm not saying like, oh, I'm so awesome because I read through it in the day. I'm just saying it was probably light reading, but I just, I was super, like, like I said, all the hype and everything. And I read that. Yeah. And, and that came out before the movie. And then you're just like, rah, 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 rah. you just eat it all up. Right. In that scene, he does not pilfer whatever that dinner tray that blocks the bullet like the 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 sequence of events is actually reversed like she gets the box from him with the dead flowers first he shows up to tell her he's batman and then they start examining the box and he's like don't touch that like it could be poison it could be whatever you know all all these things that people are critical about when they watch that scene like take place first probably in a previous draft that like took it legitimately instead of playing it for last where Vicky Bell just faints or whatever. And there was some kind of like, I don't know, poem in the, the gift where it's like something about, you know, these roses are dead. And, you know, if you don't want to be, if you don't want to end up like the roses or I, I forget how the poem went, but anyway, there was some poem the Joker wrote her in that and whatever. And, and then, and then he and then the Joker busts into the room, and I guess because he was going over there to tell her he's Batman, like, I think he had his utility belt with him or something, and so, like, he's, he's like, going for the utility belt while the Joker's, like, talking to Vicky Vale and trying to, like, hide it so that nobody else sees it. And, like, Vicky Vale's like, oh, I guess I imagined that. And she's trying to, like, put it out of her mind or whatever. But, like, even she notices that because, like, she kind of knows something's up. And I, I don't think he actually does the, you know, come on, let's get nuts. Like, it's just, like, it's it, it's more like the Joker's mad because he's trying to, you know, horn in on, quote, unquote, his girl. And, like, I think, I mean, it's almost like he goes to, like, shoot him in the face. But, he you know, he shoots him in the chest like he does. But... Bruce Wayne actually like cowers. You know what I mean? Like it's like don't shoot me or what? Like like it, he he doesn't he doesn't do the let's get nuts thing. I think he actually like pretends to be afraid of the Joker, and then the Joker ends up shooting him and says the never rub another man's rhubarb line. But what happens is there's some kind of 
scanner or some shit in his utility belt, like some kind of sonic, whatever it was, tracker or some shit, and that's so thick, it blocks the bullet. And then, this is the part that always cracked me up, because I I remember visualizing this and, and was surprised that it wasn't in the film, is after that, the Joker gets in a car with Bob the Goon, and they drive off, and he wants to go follow them, but he doesn't have his bat suit. And I think they actually take Vicky Vale in that. And like, he gets a, like he grabs like a ski mask and puts it on. And then he's actually like bat swinging in a ski mask with the utility belt and then gets on a horse, like a police horse, kind of <laughs> like dark Knight returns and chases after them on the fucking police horse. <laughs> Like so, and and that was never in the film, hmm. and it was just like one of those things where I was like, I I, I guess I was just getting flashbacks to that because I remembered reading that, and then and then I wanted to know for sure, like to confirm it because it's been so long, you know, it's been like thirty years, Justin, since I read that book. So like, <laughs> I looked up a PDF of it online, and luckily I could just find like the you know I was like you know I jumped to that scene or whatever, and like I mean it's pretty much like I described like. Like, that's essentially what happened. The, the other thing I was trying to figure out is, and I think maybe I just, this entered my headcanon because of some, uh, one of those stupid trashy rags, like like the National Enquirer or something, you know, the, those, those magazines. It, I don't know if you remember this, kids, but there used to be these magazines full of fake news on purpose, like called the National Enquirer. They still and they would. Those. They still have those. So, 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 so people should know then, but there, you know, it's about like, you know, the bat boy or whatever who like has wings or, you know, anyway, a bunch of Elvis is alive, like, like all this kind of stuff. So there was one of those and, and, you know, in lieu of reading comics that particular time in the nail salon, I think the National Enquirer was in the salon, but the reason why it attracted me was that they were like, the, the sequel to Batman revealed in the National Enquirer. And I was just kind of like, I was, you know, I don't know, 11? Like, I didn't, I didn't know that this was bullshit. And I was like, wow, nobody else knows about this? And I found it first? You know, so I'm like reading, you know, and everything. And, and it's like, it's like basically, like, it's this total bullshit story about how, like, like Batman uh, uh, and Vicky Vale are still together. They're going to get married. Uh, they stumble across Fred Savage, and he's going to be Robin. And then, like, what should have been the clue was, like, when they talk about how, basically, the Joker comes back. How does the Joker come back from falling off a fucking building? And I think this is part of my headcanon, which is what I was thinking of. And and it, it is mentioned in the novelization, sort of. And, and, and it's mentioned in the dialogue of, of the film a little bit. Uh, Jack Napier has a lucky deck of cards. And if you read the novelization, they go into a lot of detail about why it's the lucky deck, because, like, a, a bullet went through it, and I think that, like, stopped him from getting killed at some point or whatever. And so, like, that's Jack's lucky deck. And the problem is whenever he loses, like, basically, like, the, the whole point of him falling into the acid was, like, I, I think at some point in the novel, either it gets taken away from him, or he loses it, or, I don't know, some shit like that happens. And it's supposed to be, like, a jinx, where it's like, oh, everything was going smoothly, he was fucking the boss's girl, he was the number two guy, but nobody was gonna come after him, because Grissom was the number one, and he was the figurehead, and so, like, everything was going smooth for Jack Napier. 
And then, like, I think of the novel at some point, I don't know, somebody pissed on his lucky deck or shit on it or something happened to the lucky deck. And then after that, that's when the Axis chemicals shit goes down and he falls into the vat. So, like, the whole thing was supposed to be like, oh, this guy's jinxed without his lucky deck of cards. And, like, the National Enquirer article basically said... Once they collected all the cards, the 52 cards in the lucky deck, including the Joker, that, like, brings him back to life, and, like, he can't be killed if all the 52 cards are together, and, like, Fred Savage is Robin, by the way, and, 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 and all this kooky stuff is going on, and then they talk about, like, all of a sudden, like, Catwoman, Riddler, and, and, and Penguin are involved, and then, like I said, what should have tipped me off was, and King Tut was involved, and at that point, I should have known, I should have known, like, this is bullshit, this is total bullshit, you know, like, this isn't real. That's so weird because I've heard that before. Like, I remember kids talking about that at school, and I was, I always wondered where this came from because, like, even like when I was working at the call center, like, I remember a good buddy of mine, he was telling me about the Joker had a card that if he, as long as he had it, he was immortal. And, like, if he could get that card back, like, he would come back to life. And yeah, I think, bring, I, I, like, that's how yeah. they were going to bring, like, um, the Heath Ledger Joker back somehow or, or something. And I was like, I was like, I've heard that before as a little kid. And I was just like, where did this idea come from? And now I know. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the, yeah, I think I think that was the key. Like, I think I think as if he had the Joker card or, like, I, it was something like that where it's like, you know, I like I said, it's been so long since I read this novelization. And then it's if I could even track down that goofy ass National Enquirer thing. I don't know if anybody bothered to scan that or whatever. <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I kind of remember I, I remember the key points of it, which was was and, and then, then the ending of it. It was like the happy ending. Like you think it'd be crappy enough that like Fred Savage was Robin. <laughs> but like at the end, Kim Basinger and Batman, like Kim Basinger's pregnant by the end of it. So there was going to be like a fucking bat baby too. <laughs> like, and you're just like, holy fuck, like what is this? But anyway. See, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always thought so. that came from like some wacky like early Silver Age comic, like the Joker's immortal, immortal card. Like that just sounds like a, you know, a crazy wonder, story or something. I don't know. See, that's the thing. Like, I, I th- nothing comes to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't write that off. I mean, I bet you if we did a deep dive and we're specifically looking for something like that, we might find something. But I don't, I don't know. For I mean, sure. it, it is an actual yeah. acquire. It's not even the most like you know reputable source. They probably did steal it from somewhere. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe we should open it up to the the movie proper. But like. What do you guys think of this movie? Like, like, what's your kind of take on it? Like, is this is this something that you you think you still enjoy and holds up? Is it something that you just like for nostalgic reasons? Is it something you don't like? Like, is is this not your Batman? Like, like, what what's your kind of immediate, I guess, response to this this film? Like today, I guess. I, I sat down and watched it today. I hadn't seen it in a long, long time, and I still liked it. I, I I've always liked it, and it it seems like it. Whenever you talk about this movie on the internet, or if you're at a party or something, and you end up talking about this movie, people always say like it's so dated, uh, or they say it doesn't hold up well, or it has like really bad special effects. And uh, like I still think it holds up well. There are two, maybe three special effects shots that I think are not very good. 
and maybe there's some pacing issues like in the middle, but like I still think it's a good movie. Like I still think it's a really good Batman movie. I don't know if that's just like nostalgia and I can't see its flaws because like my I know you just wrote like your top ten favorite non MCU comic book movies and I know you had some things to say about the movie, so I kinda would like to hear what you your thoughts on it are. Yeah, look- like I said, I, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for this movie. And like when I was getting heavy into Batman, like, you know, I had like the Adam West Batman and Kevin Conroy's Batman as my like backups. And to a lesser extent, like, you know, Olan Soul or like I had seen some like Super Friends and like some of his, you know, the new Batman adventures or like I remember there was there was some VHS with called like the new Batman adventures. And it had like five episodes that I used to rent all the time from like my local place. So like that and I hadn't really read any Batman comics. So like uh, when um I finally got it into my head. I was like, oh, yeah, there's like Batman movies, too. Like and I should rent those and watch those. And like when I finally did see this movie, I was kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's not like ironically, it was like it's not really my Batman, but, you know, like I I can see why, you know, it was popular. And then, you know, I've rewatched it a couple times over the years and then then I rewatched it this week. And I don't know, like I I can see why people like it, but I don't exactly like how is it like I think this isn't before. And like, I think almost to an extent, like the Dark Knight is guilty of this, too. But like this movie is like not like Batman is like not the main focus of this movie. And you're, you're, you're kind of like, I feel like you're kind of counting the seconds for between like Batman appearances and when the Joker comes back basically. And like, it's almost like the dark Knight is guilty of that too, where you're like, when's the Joker coming back? Like he's a lot more, you know, interesting and funny and like, you know, fun to watch. And like this movie is kind of like that, but like, I guess, for me, I guess, like to a lesser extent, because I, I can't separate Jack Nicholson from the Joker. Like, well, like I, I can't separate Jack Nicholson as an actor from him as the Joker in this movie. And it's 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 very hard for me to, I don't know, not like he 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 will never be my favorite Joker because I'm just kind of like, yeah, I, I, I think I often would say like when I was younger, like, hey, it was just Jack Nicholson in Joker makeup. It wasn't really the Joker. So like, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I was going to say, like, I know I was asking Derek some questions about the whole like Adam West being upset about not coming back as Batman. And he sent me this interesting interview and they were interviewing like other people, you know, Johnny on the street. And it seems like most of the people's criticisms about, like, Michael Keaton, they were like, Mr. Mom is Bruce Wayne. Oh, my God. Like, they, they couldn't separate Michael Keaton from Mr. Yeah, that, Mom. That, that's something that that's something that, that I guess me and Tony didn't really go into in the preamble because that that was pretty huge. I mean, I mean, I remember I mean, I mean, there were petitions like people freaked the fuck out over it. And like it was it was. It was a bit of mixed messaging or crossed signals for a lot of people. Like, like just to put it in perspective, like even, even like me, I I was into the hype enough and had been issued my copy of Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, and I read like the greatest Batman stories ever told. So I was kind of on board with the whole you know grim Dark Knight Avenger type persona. But I think the majority of people either remembered Adam West or 
they saw Michael Keaton's name associated. And even when my dad saw that movie, because I, I, what I remember is my mom was a saint. She took us to the, the like the very first showing on on June 23rd. We waited in line and she walked all the way to the Burger King to get us food and walked back and everything. So we had food and we were like in the middle of the line. And and anyway, we, we, we got seats and it was great and everything like that. I, I saw the movie with my dad again a week later once all the crowds died down. And I think by the time Batman Returns came out, I, had, I I don't know if I was able to drive or if I just got dropped off. But by that point, I had it all worked out to where I was like the first asshole in line to see <laughs> to see um, Batman Returns. But because I was like, I ain't going to be in the middle of the line again. Like, I'm going to I'm going to fix that. You know, and I, I did. I guess the 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 point is that um that that whole Mr. Mom thing like that that's what a lot of people saw and even when my dad saw it with me that week later like he was kind of like yeah that was that was okay but it's like you know maybe they should have you know cuz Michael Keaton's pretty funny maybe they should have made it like funny you know like like just because th- th- like that th- I I think I think there was a lot of crossed signals with that casting and even though there's plenty of people now that might say oh like michael keaton's my favorite batman and and michael keaton's a great actor and and what they constantly pointed to to i guess uh, um what's the right word to to divert from the mr mom uh preconception was there was a movie that came out maybe uh i don't know a couple months before that or maybe i don't know basically there was a movie called clean and sober where michael keaton was like a recovering addict and it was it was basically like look i can play you know michael you know i can i can play like this you know oscar caliber you know i i can do serious drama like i'm not just mr mom or beetlejuice or, or whatever right like i can i can also do i i'm good at comedy but i can also do drama and that's what people constantly pointed to, like, oh, look at his eyes and clean and sober. Like, those are the eyes of Batman or, you know, w- whatever the, the notion was. And, and like, e- even, even before that, like, I remember reading articles where at some point they wanted fucking Bill Murray to be Batman and, and, and Eddie Murphy. What? Eddie Murphy was going to be fucking Robin or some shit. You know, uh. like, 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 you know, you know what's crazy about this is you don't realize, but, like, the year after Superman the movie came out was when technically this movie started to the 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 kernel of this movie started like in 1979 was when when they they started packaging this thing and they wanted to do like what's the next movie we do after Superman and everybody was like well let's let's do Batman and then at that point then you had the people involved that were like well we need to do him as a grim and dark avenger of the night and and you know it kept going and going and you know obviously you had the people that are like well nobody remembers that like we got to do the the campy Adam West thing and you know and so it's like there's there's all these different things that were going on and then you know eventually closer to 1989 obviously you had the you know Tim Burton involved and 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 all this other stuff and then and then you 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 had the movie itself i mean i i think this owes a lot to stuff like dark knight returns certainly you know what i mean like there were there were people that were clearly influenced by that the other thing that 
that Mike's commentary kind of and, and criticism, which I think is valid and fair. I mean, this is the Joker movie. Like, I mean, I remember even when this movie first came out, as much as the hype was involved in it, there, there were plenty of criticisms or critics that, you know, like newspaper critics, not like fucking internet armchair assholes, but like real, like I went to school and got a degree and I get paid by a newspaper to do this critics that kind of said, Hey, this should have been called the Joker movie, you know, because essentially you find out about the Joker and it's the Joker's origin and, and his whole story and all this other stuff. And you know what that triggered was there was a wizard magazine article. I think it was a wizard magazine article where they did an article that was, I, I guess there were like, I want to say like some kind of Tim Burton treatment sketches or what basically like like they they had like sketches and like this this sort of treatment that Burton envisioned for a Batman movie and and the whole point of the article was that treatment starts with the Joker and ends with the Joker and and the whole argument was just like the 89 Batman film it seems like Burton was way more interested in the Joker than he was in Batman. And I, I, I think, I, you know, I, I think that's a perfectly valid and fair criticism, you know, that, that Mike laid out. And, and I think the reason why the Dark Knight gets away with it is because you had Batman Begins, which to me, arguably, is the first film that actually focuses on Batman that was, you know, grim, dark, serious, for, for lack of a better term. You know, like the first serious Batman movie that actually has Batman as the protagonist and is actually about Batman rather than just, you know, flashing back to like him falling in a cave, flashing back to him seeing his parents murder or whatever. You know, that actually, you know, since you have the, the origin, you know, in Batman Begins, right, you, you, you are allowed to have a movie where the Joker maybe steals Batman's spotlight in a sequel because you're like, well, he... He had a movie with some spotlight, so it's not it's not as off putting as say maybe eighty nine Batman, where you're like this might this may have been the only Batman movie we ever got. So you'd think you'd want to focus on Batman, and 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 it seems like more like they were playing with the idea of he was this not only grim dark Avenger, but this kind of shadowy type figure that wasn't always seen. You know, he was the guy that was always vanishing and and all that other stuff. Yeah, I, I guess as far as I go, as far as the movie itself, you know, after the hype and all that um, is said and done, it is Tim Burton, so it's very stylish. It really has its own look. He he does a really great Gotham. I I, I, I like his Gotham more than Schumacher's slightly homosexual Gotham. Nothing wrong with it. Just saying, a lot of naked dudes. I, in that city. I think I um, think that probably has a lot to do with Anton first as much as Tim Burton. Yes. Yeah. And, and that first was one of the production designers. And it, he, he is one of the reasons why we have that kick-ass Batmobile and, uh, you know, why we, why, you know, that suit looks the way it does. Um, poor guy did commit suicide, uh, shortly after Batman returns, which is sad, but yeah, he was, he was definitely a huge part of that. Yeah. For, first was like the, the scenic designer. So like he designed Gotham city and like a lot of the, the the cityscapes and buildings and all the sets and everything like that. I don't I don't think he had too much to do with the costumes. The guy who designed the costumes 
was named Bob Ringwood. And the reason why he stuck out to me was because I, you know, I'm a nerd and I read a bunch of star logs and he had articles in there. But the, the reason why he stuck out to me even before anything to do with the Batman hype was he is also the costume designer on uh, David Lynch's Dune. So, like, to me, it was, like, one of those things where, oh, the guy who made the Fremen suits that were, you know, had the little black suits with the water bubbles and all that shit, you know, is, is making a bat suit, you know, basically, which was just, you know, if you put the, the Kyle MacLachlan Muad'Dib suit next to the, the Batman suit, you're like, oh, well, that's, that's you know, they're, 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 there's there's some, you know, commonality there, you know, like, so, so, so that's, <laughs> yeah, 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 I can see, I can see how that went down, you know, like that, those kind of things. But yeah, yeah, um, I don't mean to interrupt, Tony, but just, just oh, no, that. Well, and I do know he had something to do with the Batmobile. I don't know exactly what. I know he didn't actually build the damn thing because you need an engineer to do that. But he had some input with the Batmobile. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the 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 look is really good. I myself, despite you know contention, I think Michael Keaton did a fine job as Batman. His Batman is a little wooden, a little stiff. I mean, that's fine. Uh, but I thought he did really good as Bruce Wayne. I, I like his Bruce Wayne. His Bruce Wayne seemed to have layers and seemed to be tormented, you know, like uh, Derek was saying with the whole clean and sober performance. So I, that, that's I, I don't have the same problem with Keaton and Batman as I do with Nicholson and Joker. Like, I think Keaton is a, like, you know, a good choice. Like, he, he turned out to be a good choice for as Batman. And, like, I, I don't have that, like, you know, oh, it was controversial when it was first announced. Like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, he was pretty good. Like, I think... It, it was kind of, you know, nowadays, you know, you got to get like, you know, what do they, the kids say, like swole to be Batman or whatever. <laughs> like you got to get, you know, and I mean, he, he had a pretty good, like, uh, like, you know, it wasn't like he was out of shape or anything, but like, I think we, we joked before the <laughs> thing, like where Adam West was saying, like, I didn't need like plastic muscles to like augment my physique, you know, pure West. Like, but I mean, you know, what do you call Keaton? He wasn't imposing, but he he still like you know he had the physicality I think like down like and I, I mean uh, you know I, I think generally like uh, I think like Cruiser Dave on uh, Bot Talk is fond of saying oh Keaton plays Bruce Wayne is like constantly distracted and stuff and I mean I guess there's some truth to that but I think it's you know it's it's kind of you know it's not like he's a goofball or anything I think he's you know, he, he's uh, very focused on what he wants to focus on. It just so happens that the movie is focusing on something else at the time, usually. Internet, calm your tits when I say this. Just just realize this movie was made in 1989, and this is where we are. Kim Basinger was basically meant to be a nice-looking girl. Vicki Vale was not a bad character. They, they did give her some stuff to do. She, she was not uh, always helpless. Usually, but not always. <laughs> you know what I like didn't realize because it had been so long since I watched the movie. Like I didn't realize how many times she screamed in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She screams, screams at flowers. She screams at yeah, everything. Yeah, I'm trying. I was trying to be nice about her, but yeah, she she does very much play a damsel in distress. T- Tony, Tony, about V. Would you say you would want to bust that body? <laughs> I would bust that body. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. I, I, w- I was just gonna I say, like, to. what what you what guys. I, right now. 
I was just going to say what you guys were saying about the costume. Like, I remember watching, like, a YouTube video that analyzed, like, you know, the costume and how it was, like, used in, like, the Keaton movies and stuff. And, like, you know, like, everyone likes to make fun of, like, you know, it, you can't, he can't turn his head, basically. And, like, you know, you watch these making of videos and it's like... No, he can turn his head, but when he does, like the the cowl kind of like warps and look like looks stupid. So basically, yeah. what Ke- Keaton did was like made it like an acting choice where he was like Batman doesn't his head, like he turns his entire body, like and yeah, that it's kind <laughs> of like like watching that like making a video. I'm like, oh man, that's kind of like it's it's the invention of like Batman like having like a almost like a spider sense almost because like you know the Batman like backhand like without looking or whatever it's cuz he literally couldn't look back to like punch that guy in the face. So he like, <laughs> he would just have like the backhand and stuff and backhand him and you know we like it it would make it look like he they used like the stiffness of that costume to make it look like Batman had control of the fight like at all times like he knew where everyone was because it was like so like you know expertly choreographed or whatever so it it kind of worked like in his favor but it's yeah. like I, I remember seeing that fly swatter if you kick him yeah but it, like I remember seeing it's like you can see in in certain shots where he tries to turn like his head and his like like his head turns, but the cowl doesn't really turn like at the same like you know angle as he is. So like it kind of like you know warps on the his side. Body just has to follow too. <laughs> yeah, like I get I get it. Like I get that's how like they did it, and like I, I still think it's kind of stupid. Like in Batman Returns, where he just like rips the whole like cowl off, like like it was like one yeah. piece or whatever, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that was it's still kind of interesting that like Keaton kind of like made it into like an like acting choice because you see um, in the scene where Alfred brings Vicky into the Batcave, like like when Bruce notices, he turns his head like in shock and stuff. And then like he goes back into Batman mode and he like turns away from her without turning his head. So like he he was actually, you know, keeping that like in mind. So. Well, like that, that, that suit was, I mean, that, that was one of those things where they, they talked about that ad nauseum, even in the sequels where, you know, when, when Michelle Pfeiffer signed up to be Catwoman, it was like, do you have any advice for me? And, and I think Keaton was the one that's like, make them put in a bathroom hole. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. make them, you know, like make them put in a back door. Cause, cause it was like, he was the guinea pig for that shit. It's like, he couldn't take a piss or shit in that costume. He couldn't hear in the costume. I mean, there, there were a lot of things he probably had to go through just to be in that costume all the time. It does, you know, like, like and it, at, yeah. at certain angles, his, his head looks like too small to be in that cowl. I mean, look at my avatar. Like I picked it cause it was like the stupidest like Batman face I could find <laughs> like in that cowl. So. I mean, I, I also kind of was wondering, like, like kind of like I was making the, the Bob Ringwood costume comparisons between the, the Dune costume and the, the rubber bat suit, basically. Like, th- there's that weird notion to me of, like, they originally wanted Bill Murray and they went with Michael Keaton. And I'm kind of like, you guys both have kind of like a similar eventual hairline, you know? Like, I was like, what's with, like, you know, I mean, n- not only Mr. Mom, but, like, you don't typically think of Bruce Wayne as having, like, a receding hairline, but, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think, I, not that Michael Keaton had a major one at this point, but, like, it was going in that direction, and I think the same thing with, with Bill Murray, where I was just kind of like, 
that sounds like weird when you say it out loud and, and, and kind of, I, I think that was one of those things where like even the, you know, some of the, the Kenner toys, you know, it was like, it was weird to have a Bruce Wayne that had like a widow's peak or something like that. Cause to me, I always thought of, you know, that you think of a traditional Bruce Wayne where he's supposed to be like a, a good looking guy with raven dark hair. And I don't, I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like no live action Batman has ever, really looked like Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? Like, like sort of, you know, yeah, what, what, whatever you Val Kilmer, like looks wise, just looking like Bruce Wayne, maybe. But that's what I mean. They didn't, they didn't go out of their way to like dye his hair. Or no, anything. no. You, you know what I mean? Hair. Like, yeah, like, hair, yeah. like, like that, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, I don't, I don't think anybody's people might say, Oh, so-and-so was a good Bruce Wayne. Cause he, you know, I don't know. George Clooney had swank or, you know, whatever people say, you know, like, like t- somebody may point to some, acting choice or characteristic that defined Bruce Wayne for them. And, 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 you know, they might say, Oh, I, I like his portrayal of Bruce Wayne, but I mean, like in terms of, you know, when people look at shit and kind of go, Oh damn, that stepped off the comic page or whatever, you know, you look at like the, you know, just for an example, you know, the way, the way they, they dressed up Mickey Rourke in Sin City and you go, damn, that looks just like, you know, he looks like Marv. Like there's no question like that, that's fucking Marv or Elijah Wood, you know, in that movie where you're like, holy shit, that's just like the little crazy axe character or whatever the hell his name is, Kevin. you know, like, and, and yeah, yeah, Kevin, right? So you're like, holy crap, that looks just like Kevin. And, 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 you know, it, to me, I, I've, I would just be willing to say, and, you know, it's not just Michael Keaton that's guilty of this. I, I kind of feel like it's true for everyone who's ever played Batman. Like, I, I don't think I've ever looked at, a Bruce Wayne, you know, an actor they've picked and went, that looks just like, say, you know, the, the Bruce Tim design of Bruce Wayne. Like, I don't think anybody looks like that, you know, like, and, and maybe they can't, but, you know, I, I, I don't know that they necessarily have tried. Perfectly square shoulders and a square jaw. Yeah, there's got to be somebody out there, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I guess I, I should address Joker since you guys are talking about him and since he, he was a uh, hot part of debate i like the performance jack nicholson did but even watching it again i will have to go with pretty much what justin said and a lot of people have said not jack nicholson as the joker it's more like the joker doing his best jack nicholson impression Because he, he does a lot of stuff that jack nicholson does like you know you don't think of the i mean yes the joker is zany and weird and stuff there's so much Nicholson in that performance is like so Jack Nicholson and his, um, his name is Jack in the movie. Yeah. 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 yeah his, his, his name is Jack. He, he, it, it, it becomes pretty obvious if you, if you watch a lot of interviews and behind the scenes stuff that he was given. And, and, and again, if you compare it to say like the, the Jerry Ordway Batman comic adaptation of the movie or the novelization that we discussed earlier if you if you pay really close attention to some of the dialogue you see some of the dialogue from the i i always want to call him sam hain but it's it's a sam ham script the screenwriter and and so if you look at the the dialogue from the script and and novel and comic and whatever versus what actually comes out of Jack Nicholson's mouth. Like you can tell like some lines are dead on from the script and he stuck to it, but they also gave him a lot of leeway to kind of freewheel and improv a little bit. So there's, there's certain things like Tony saying that, that seem to 
you know, come out of a, an improv session, you know, during the film more than something that was pre-scripted. Well, can I, can I ask and, you, Derek, yeah. like if you've read the novel and like the script and stuff, like I, I always heard that that whole like final act in like the cathedral was like added in like last minute because like Jack Nicholson and like that producer, like John Peters went to see like Phantom of the Opera or something. Phantom and they were like, Oh, we got to have this. In yeah. The they, movie they, too. Like, they, they, they've talked about it. I mean, they, they certainly talked about that. Like they, they, they also kind of made a lot of apologies or at least they, they not apologies, but like kind of made a lot of excuses of like that. This is just, you know, he, you know, goober or whatever like he's he's one of those larry's where he's like you know oh yeah we you know you gotta you gotta change the script all the time that's why they call it filmmaking you know and like there's there's all this kind of stuff but i mean as far as like the the comic adaptation and the novelization i mean it pretty much by the time that stuff came out the the movie was shot like i don't i don't think it was that vastly different than what was actually in the film as far as I can tell. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually just looking where it's like, I don't know. Now it's going through like the flashback or whatever, but they're talking about like trap doors and um, no, cause, cause, cause there's, there, there, there's still in the belfry and all that other stuff at the end of this novel. So I don't, I don't think it was that. I mean, I, I, I know, I know what you're talking about. Cause I remember the interview cause I was watching a bunch of those things, but there's still the helicopter and the gargoyle and all that shit in the novel. But I, I remember them talking about Nicholson and, and, and Goober and them going to see Phantom of the Opera and saying, this is what we need in the third act. And then, Sam Hamm specifically will say things like, don't blame me for having the Joker murder Bruce Wayne's parents. That wasn't in my draft. You know, don't blame me for Vicki Vale getting let into the Batcave by Alfred. That was not in my draft of the screenplay. So it's like, it's like they're, they're basically like a lot of the rewrites that were done on set. I think the the way, the way Sam Hamm explains it is he was... Uh, it, it was like during a writer strike or something. So whoever they got to touch up the script and and make those modifications, you know, like the the Belfry Tower sequences and stuff like that, like that was probably added after. Because I, I think I think some of it. Remember how I told you like there was the horseback thing. Like I I remember because th- this might be a good time to talk about like some of the stuff I read, like I, I think in like comics journal or comics interview, there was, there was this nice article with Sam Hamm. And the reason why they were mainly interviewing him, I think was because of the Batman film, but he, he went on to do an arc in detective comics and it was like five ninety eight to 600. And like, I almost kind of attribute that arc. Like it's an interesting arc. If you've, if you've never read it, because Henry Ducard is introduced in that. So that would kind of influence the Batman. You know, it's like Rachel Ghoul was Henry Ducard, quote unquote. Like that was his Bruce Wayne identity, I guess, in Batman Begins. But like in the comics, Henry Ducard was his own character. And he was kind of this sketchy black ops guy that, that Bruce desperately wanted to learn from in his you know, journey around the world to learn from all the best. And so so there's these flashbacks with that Henry Ducard character and Sam Hamm introduced him and created him. And then in that main story, it's like Bruce Wayne gets his back broken and some young blonde kid takes over as Batman for him for that arc. 
And I kind of was like, well, shit, that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's like a proto nightfall story in a weird way, you know, minus all the Arkham escapees from like, say Batman 400, which is where that was, you know, quote unquote stolen from or whatever, you know, like that. So anyway, the, the point is Sam Hamm wrote, those original drafts, I think, of, of the 89 Batman. And, like, there were a lot of interesting things in his article. Like, I, I know you guys are talking about uh, that, you know, Jack Nicholson is playing Jack. I mean, you know, uh, and again, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to apologize for liking Rob Liefeld. And I'm not going to say, like, I wasn't, like, super into Jack Nicholson as the Joker when it came out. And that I, I probably have a lot of nostalgia goggles for this movie. But I, I did like it at the time. And I, I think I, I still go to bat, like, of, of this series of Batman films. Like, for me, I like Batman. And I like Batman forever. And I think I have problems with Batman Returns, and, and I have problems with Batman and Robin, unless I just watch, like, the first ten minutes and shut it off, then it's awesome. But, you know, but 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 the point is, is, is like, I, I, I'm still willing to go to bat and say, hey, Batman and, and Batman Forever, you know, enough that to say I like them as movies, you know, like, and, you know, yeah, they have some shortcomings and they have some problems, but, you know, not enough that I'm going to say I hate them or don't like them, I like the films. The thing I thought was interesting, though, was Nicholson is about, in this movie, he's about maybe 10 or 15 years older than Keaton is. And, like, I think the notion originally was that they'd be, you know, somewhat closer in age. And that would lend credence to Sam Hamm saying, oh, I never planned for Nicholson's Napier to be the one who killed Bruce Wayne's parents because in his mind, and I may have mentioned this before at some point, but like the, the, the reason why I love the article was because in his mind, Ham thought that at the time, and given this is in like 87, 88, when he's writing this thing, he thought like Ray Liotta would be a great person to play Hmm. the Joker. And like, and I was like thinking about it and I was just like, damn, like that, that would have been kind of interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly how that would have gone down, but it's like, and, 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 and this is kind of going back to my weird notion of, of uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet, where I, I always was of the opinion, if you're casting Hamlet, you want to make sure that Hamlet, Laertes, and Fortinbras are all the same age. They all need to be like, 20 something 30 something dudes but if you cast a 20 something and then a 30 something it doesn't work for me like they all if you're if you're gonna make hamlet a 20 something then fortinbras and laertes also have to be 20 somethings if you're gonna cast them as 30 or 35 then they all have to be 35 and and, and it's kind of like i i guess that's kind of what sam ham was going for when when he was talking about his vision of what the casting would have been like and it, it's one of those things where it's like if you cast michael keaton and ray liotta of that era they would have been contemporaries you know like that so so they would have been the same and and it's almost, it's almost yeah. like casting a robin who's like 7 years younger than a batman yeah that that is weird um, i i guess my my biggest quip with Joker is I think I think Nicholson's performance, no matter what I may think of, like if it's Joker enough, you know, is my Joker or whatever, he did he does give it a lot of energy and everything, and and that is cool, and I'm very 
happy that he seemed to want to be a part of the movie. He wasn't just phoning it in. Well, dude, he, I mean, you say he wanted to be in the movie. I mean, dude got paid $10 million to be in the movie, and then he got, like, a percentage of the fucking profits of this movie. Like, this movie, like, set him up for life. Like, if you watch, if you watch interviews about how he, he kind of finagled his own deal for the back-end profits and, like, how he started talking up you know, like to the Hollywood elites about how there's no ceiling for the money this movie's going to make and started his own little guerrilla promotion. Like, you can totally see that devil's gleam in his eye, like, oh, I really did some great guerrilla promoting there, you know, and you can see, like, he's, like, licking his goddamn lips because he still is probably rolling in the money that he made from that movie today, you know? So, like, I mean, he, he may have been into it, and that's awesome, but, like, you could tell also, like, I mean, th- th- a lot of a lot of the motivation for this was probably just pure green, too, you know? Like, he, he made a shit ton of money from this from this movie, for sure. If you take away just the box office, which it did do really well, it was a hit. I mean, don't get me wrong, it by no means flopped in any way, shape, or form. But with licensing and with merchandise and cross-promotion, this movie had to have been a juggernaut as far as what it actually made by being a movie, you know, just by existing, not just the the, the receipts from the box office. And, and like, if Nicholson even got, like, a, a portion of that, yeah, he, he's, he is ridiculously, like, set for life. I could swear he holds a record for like something like some something about his take. Like maybe it's like the most an actor has been paid for something. Like I think he still holds that. I I, I mean he he made massive amounts of money off. Yeah, that's movie. just crazy. It's just um, I, I I was gonna bring this up. I don't know if anybody would like to talk about it at length, but there are a couple of uh, people besides Michael Keaton and and Messenger and, and Jack Nicholson who are in this movie. Um, who like you know? I I kind of like some of them. I think they actually did a good job. There is Commissioner Gordon, and I think it's was was it Pat Hingle who played him? Yeah, I think Pat Hingle did a did a fi- fair job. No, you know, nothing really to yell about or decry. He was fine. Ooh, can't remember her name. She was a model. She played Joker's original girlfriend. Jerry, oh yeah, that was uh, Mick Jagger's Mick Jerry Jagger's Hall. wife, right? Yeah, Jerry Hall. She was terrible. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Like she, she wasn't on screen that much, but I just, I just remember that one part where, like, it's after he's mutilated her because he wants he he has this his own vision of beauty now, and it, it's to fuck stuff up. Joker's like an artist in this for some reason. He's like a weird artist. He likes creating his own creation. Jerry Hall comes in, and she's got like this half mask on because uh, he he is you know mutilator, and just the way she says, she's like Jack. <laughs> Where are we going, Jack? I'm like, oh my god! It's like, go away, terrible, terrible actress. Um, I, I I think I always kind of took it as like the trauma like affected her mind too, like because yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it fair, it could be, you know. Um, but uh, there's also Robert Wall who plays uh, a reporter for the newspaper who is Vicky's pretty much Alexander Knox. Yes. Yes. You were talking. You were talking about Bill Murray. Like I heard it, people call him like Discount Bill Murray or something. <laughs> I thought he did a fine job. I thought he was he was enjoyable as 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 like uh, 
Vicky's like tag along, you know. I'm like in the in the fringe universe. If they did cast Bill Murray as Batman in the 1989 film, does that mean like Alexander Knox was going to be fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger or some shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about Bill Murray's Batman, just like, what are you? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, I'm, uh, you know, the Batman and stuff. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's Miller time. <laughs> Oh, and of course, I guess the, 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 like, biggest, at the time, especially in the 80s, cameo was uh, our good friend uh, Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. There's, there's other people in the film, too, but yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's Jack Palance. Jack there's Palance, the, yeah, as the, as the crime There's, there's uh, Porkins, who got all his lines dubbed, you know? So. <laughs> Whenever I think of Jack Palance, I, I just, I just I, when you come to see us, Derek, when we go to the con, I just want to, like, grab your shoulder and be like, <laughs> Why? I look. I know. I knew that, but you're t- you're you're talking about Eckhart, right? Like, yes, wh- why yes. were his lines dubbed? Was he just that bad? Or I'm guessing he was suffering from stupid British kid syndrome, and they decided to, to ADR his lines. I mean, I, I don't no, know. No, I, no, I have no, no one always bothers me about like his line, like when when he when he's like handing out the wanted posters and he's like, uh, "Shoot to kill." Uh, know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, you just said what you meant. Like, this, 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 <laughs> no one could misinterpret that. Like, I, I thought it was weird because like that's a character that I mean, if you want to go into like comic bookisms and stuff like that, that's that's a character that had had the Jack Napier not killed him. Like he seems to be a movie version of uh, Harvey Bullock, you know what I mean? Like the uh, kind of fat, corrupt cop thing, or whatever. At least you know, for the most part, that's kind of how Harvey Bullock started out as. And then you know, later they kind of made him like the the gruff, you know, hard nosed cop with a heart of gold or whatever. And they kind of turned him around. But I, I think if you look at some of the earlier comics, you know, you're like, oh well, this this is kind of like a prototypical you know, Harvey Bullock type character, but he's not Harvey Bullock. He's Eckhart, so they can get away with, you know, uh, Napier shooting him early in the in the film or whatever. I, I will say, though, whoever was doing the ADR for Eckhart, uh, Eckhart he was uh, enough of an asshole that I was not sad when he got killed. It did not hurt my feelings at all. It is kind of funny how, like, Batman hangs back and lets Napier do that and then comes back into the scene to, like, you know, because cause he kicks the gun out of his hand when he's trying to shoot Pat Hangel, and then he disappears, and then he bat comes back, and then, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, oh, well, he came back after he shot Eckhart, which is kind of funny. Batman's like, uh, I leave you alone for two minutes. God. <laughs> and you shoot, and you shoot the fat one. Uh, uh, speaking of fat ones, um, like, uh, I don't remember who played him. Who played Bob the Goon, my, my, my favorite character? Uh, or was he uh, of any no, just an actor? No, no, no. Like he was, Nick he Jack was... Nicholson's buddy or something? Like, like I heard that like he he was like just one of Jack Nicholson's friends. Uh, I I don't know about that. Tracy Walter was the actor. That that kind of reminds me. Um, when uh, the Dark Knight was coming out, I remember a buddy of mine like he was a huge Batman fan, and he was like, "So who's playing Bob the Goon?" And I kind of forgot about Bob the Goon in this movie, and I was kind of like, "Who the fuck is Bob the Goon?" He's like, "You know, Bob, Bob the Goon." He's like, "Joker has to have a Bob the Goon." And so we watched, you know, Dark Knight, and then afterwards, Betty was like, "That was pretty good," and he was kind of quiet for a few seconds, and he was like, 
But where was Bob the Goon? <laughs> he was all hung up on Bob. Now I'm the thinking. Goon. I'm thinking of Christian Bale being like, "Where is Bob the Goon? Where is he?" Man, you you know what? Like, I I don't care if people think whatever they think about this movie, but I I always loved the scene where you know he's like, "He stole my balloons," and he's like, "Bob, gun," <laughs> and he takes the gun and he fucking shoots Bob, and you're just like, "That's." That's how fucking crazy the Joker is, you know. Like that's... that was a very Jokerish thing to do. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, I've always thought. Speaking of actors, we haven't talked about yet, and like uh, of every Batman movie he's been in, I really like uh, Michael. Uh, what is it? Go, Go Michael. Michael Go. Go. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like uh, as uh, Alfred. Can, sorry, sorry. Continuing my mini rant from before, that was one of the things they hit the hardest in that Kevin Smith commentary. Like for some reason. They had a big heart on to like make fun of and 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 actually like actively malign Michael Go and I was just like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? What did Michael Go do? Like, you know, beat you up and steal your lunch money? Like, I I don't know, man. I don't understand. Like, I I agree with you. Like, I I thought he was good in all the films. He's one of the few consistence in those four movies. And then something I I was telling Tony the other night is he's also Alfred in the BBC Nightcast audio drama, which I think is really good as well. Yeah. Like he's got, he's got like, I feel like he's got the best scene in Batman and Robin where, you know, when Bruce asks him, like, do you regret your life? And like Alfred says, like, taking care of heroes? Like, of course not. Like, you know, I always thought that was a, like, the one, like, the one moment of like actual pathos, like in that movie. But, um, yeah, yeah, he's great. He, like, it's really weird because, again, if you go with visuals, like usually Alfred is a skinny guy with a little pencil thin mustache and a bald head. Michael Go is none of those. Damn, he was just he was so that, that I, I guess it's that British fucking accent. He just he, he he carried like dignity and he he just he was Alfred, you know. Yeah, he was awesome. I, I like when he's uh, telling like Vicky Vale all the funny stories about Bruce in the kitchen, and then he's like, "Like, well, it's time for my bedtime, and I know you two need to get your freak on, so like, I'm going upstairs." Like, <laughs> we always we always kind of used to make fun of the line where he's like, you know, Michael King's like, "Ah, Alfred is great. I couldn't find my socks without him," and we would always we would always do like some variant on that where it'd just be like, "Yeah, Alfred's great. I couldn't find my underwear without him. I couldn't find my, you know." <laughs> My my shorts or or you know we just make up whatever, but we always used to like that. One one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the museum. Is, is, does anybody like echo that? Like that is at least one of the the more enjoyable parts of the movie. Pardon my hand. Pardon my hand. Well, it's got action. It's got comedy. Uh, I believe that's the scene where Nicholson like pretends to rip a fart like with his mouth because he's like. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he get it, those wonderful toys? Yeah, there's the the toys line. He names drops Corto Maltese. Like there's there, there's a lot of there's a lot of good bits in that sequence. Yes, didn't yeah. you used to use that opening bit? You know, for your comics on film thing, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah, let's yeah. broaden our minds. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's still the current current opening for the the eighties ones. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. 
I, I always like his little fake commercial he made, like when he's interrupting TV and he's like pretending, he's like pretending he's like you know driving that buggy and he's just kind of like fake, you know, running with it and then you know the whole like fake mouse, you know, love that Joker. <laughs> it just, I don't know, the whole thing just uh, cracks me up. I, I like when he interrupts the the mayor's speech and does the little like he does the hand wave and like moves them off the screen or whatever. <laughs> like I thought that was pretty funny. People people make fun of it and think it's stupid. Honestly, I like the ridiculously long gun barrel gag. I, I thought it was funny. That always made me mad as a kid, and it still kind of does now. Because like I love that version of like the Batwing. I thought that was cool, and I had the toy. You know, I got that for Christmas. It always pissed me off that the Joker in the Batwing was like one shot from this ridiculous gun. It still kind of bugs me, but I mean, not not as much like 30 years later. But I remember when I saw it as a kid for the first time, I was like, what? Like, no, no way. Like, stupid gun, like, stupid Joker. Like, that's the Batwing. I, I kind of feel like I use that deck of cards thing as like my inner headcanon as to why he never gets hit with a bullet and why he's able to to take it out with one shot like that, that because it's because of his deck, but there's no real basis in fact, but I think that's how I, I think I probably was bothered by that. Like you were, but that was my, my inner rationalization or headcanon for why that happened the way it did. So I could, you know, so I could make some sort of semblance of sense to it. My no prize was like, Oh, it's the lucky decks fault or something. You know, in the, in the, you know, by the way, speaking of that, in, in the, I, I believe in the novelization, when he grabs all the balloons, he actually scrapes the left wing on the cathedral. And so he's going to crash no matter what. And then when he moves in to take out all the other, you know, Joker goons and, you know, all the other floats or whatever, like the Joker brings it down because he shoots the the left wing that got scraped on the cathedral, mm. if that makes you that, feel any that better. That kind of does. I wish that was in the movie. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of silly that, like, one bullet does take it down, but, I mean, but, hey, we get one of the most, like, coolest, I don't know, like, things you could ever do for, like, a bat signal. When the bat wing flies up in front of the moon, that was badass. That was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's always cool. What did you guys... You know what's interesting was, like, I, and this may apply more to Tony than you guys, because it sounds like the Batwing was always a thing for maybe Mike and Justin, but, like, I mean, maybe Tony can get my back on this, but, like, there was no such thing as the Batwing before this movie. Like, to me, like, if you watch Super Friends, it was, like, the Bat Plane or the Bat Rocket or whatever the fuck they called it. You know, the Bat Copter, you know, on the Adam West thing. Like, or the Bat Guy, you know, Gyro or whatever, right? Like, so, like, my thing was, like, I saw it, I thought it was cool, and but then I was, like, Bat Wing? Like, for, for me, that was, like, weird because I had never heard it before. And then because of this movie... You know that that design of the Batwing was kind of incorporated into the animated series and and things like that. And and now I guess it's just part of the lexicon. It's just like, oh yeah, Batman has a Batwing. Like that's that's that. But I mean, I remember at the time just kind of thinking like, oh, that's a weird name for a 
Like, why don't, I was like, why aren't they call it the bat plane? Like, why is it gotta be called the bat wing? Like that, that was kind of my attitude as like a little kid, but I, I don't know if, if that ever happened with Tony or not. It was a little weird. Um, like, I don't know. I was, I was equally, I was, I guess, confused and also fascinated that like Batman had a vehicle that was his flying logo. I don't know. It's just like that's how I saw it. It's like that. That's that's this thing on his chest. His logo. This the symbol. And like now he flies in it. And it's crazy. It's really cool, but it's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. No, I grew up with like bat jets and bat plane and whirly bats and whatever else they called them. As a kid, you know, after I got over the confusion of him flying around his own logo, people could say all they want about this movie. If like, oh, it's dated everything like that. It's like yeah, but it also like did more than a few things that like stuck in the lexicon. I mean, like the whole idea that Joker may have killed Bruce's parents, which is something they still fuck with. I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but like that kind of came from this movie, you know, it's interesting. Cause I, I remember, you know, when I was diving into internet rabbit holes or whatever, Steve Englehart had his own website. I don't know if it's still up or not, but like what I remember about it and what I think, you know, Justin may appreciate was, I, I feel like Steve Englehart's kind of like Harlan Ellison in the sense that like, basically his entire website was like sort of dedicated to how they stole his <laughs> ideas, like kind of thing. That's my idea. You're stealing my idea. I mean, there, there were a lot of things. It wasn't just like Batman stuff, but there were a lot of things where it's like, oh, you know, look at the Doctor Strange, you know, I don't know, movie or this and that, or I, I don't know. There, there were a bunch of things we'd point to like, I wrote this and then they took this and incorporated this into the film and that into the film and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, more so with maybe the Nolan Batman films too, because if you, if you look at uh, dark detective, that, that follow up to the, the Marshall Rogers Engelhart run, it, like those mini series and stuff. Like there are things that are like frighteningly, similar to the the dark knight and they actually make a lot more sense because it's not the the aaron eckhart character is not two-face it's actually a different character so it kind of makes more sense like because like you know the sequence and this is totally like off topic but like you know the sequence where like joker comes in and talks to two-face in the dark knight like technically in the Engelhart book it's Two-Face coming in to talk to the 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 Eckhart character, which was like some other district attorney whose face got fucked up. So it was like Two-Face telling him that the Joker fucked him over, you know, as opposed to the Joker coming in and telling him, oh, hey, what's up? I fucked you over. <laughs> you know, like that thing, which is kind of weird, right? Because you'd think like, well, don't you want to strangle this guy? But whatever. Anyway, the, the same thing is sort of applicable to the 89 Batman movie where he'd go into like, oh, you know, I made Silver St. Cloud and Kim Basinger kind of is not really Vicky Vale. She's really Silver St. Cloud. And, you know, there, there were, like, all these things like that. And I, I, I kind of think that's ironic because, like, I suppose if Sean Young was cast as Vicky Vale, she would have been Vicky Vale and not Silver St. Cloud. And I'm not saying she is Silver St. Cloud, but Kim Basinger looks more like Silver St. Cloud than Vicky Vale. So I, I kind of can see what he's what he's getting at. Did Sean Young want to be Catwoman? Anyway, I'll... <laughs> Yeah, there was that weird-ass... I, I felt like it was, like, Oprah or some show. Like, she came on, and she looked like a goddamn dominatrix, and she was, like, whipping shit on the talk show, like, trying to, you know, be Catwoman or something. But 
But but I think by that point she lost her goddamn mind, so they weren't going to cast her. Do you guys oh, well. like the, you know, Joker killed his parents, like, twist or, you know, whatever? Uh, you, you know, you, my, my, I, I think in general, I, I probably don't like it in terms of, like, faithfulness, but I think at the time, I, I, I think you have to forget, like, this made that movie a complete narrative from start to finish. And if you just made it like Joe Chill or some random person that you never see, that flashback would have kind of just felt like, why are you showing us this then? Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Whereas, like, you know, unfortunately, it's like one of those things where it's like, I, I think that became a trope where, like, all of a sudden, if you looked at, like, comic book movies after that point, like, people felt the need to tie in the villain to the origin so it's kind of to me it's like comparable to like is it abhorrent that like dr doom went up with the fantastic four in the fantastic four movie to get cosmic powers like yes but does that explain why doom's in the film at all like yes you know what i mean like like it's like one of those things where the screenwriters can't wrap their head around writing a totally separate subplot about Latveria. They can't wrap their heads around, oh, the Joker's just this random crazy dude or whatever. And then they go like, well, what if we make him responsible for the death of Batman's parents? Oh, look, we've totally, like, connected it. Now the snake is eating its own tail. Perfect. Like, they, like they think of that as a victory because it, it, it makes it all, like, this one one circle instead of, like, different circles but i can understand as somebody who likes you know i i would rather adhere to being faithful so like to me i get why they did it but i also kind of am like ah yeah that's kind of you know bullshit i i don't i don't have a problem with it in the narrative i i think something that you know derek had mentioned earlier kind of you know, doesn't hurt is the the fact that the jerk Jack Napier is older than Bruce. He's like, you know, got a good ten years on him at the very least, probably older. For the movie, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I think when they when they try to do it in the comics now, when they like try to randomly like you know suggest it, it's it's stupid. I hate it. I don't know about Justin. It, it, it doesn't bother you or not really. Kind of like Derek, I get why they do it, but I think as far as like authenticity, I prefer like you know joker not be involved in batman's origin i mean i mean in some sense that makes like batman begins a more quote unquote mm-hmm. oh, yeah. authentic movie right because you're like oh there there's a there, there's a joe chill or whatever and then and then like tony's saying then they try to fuck with it with like zero hour and bullshit like that where it's like nobody knows who killed the waynes and i'm just yeah. like are you kidding me i thought sandman I killed something. the waynes uh, I, I thought it was Metallo <laughs> in your favorite fucking stupid direct-to-video movie. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think the whole that. thing that did the, I, I, the thing was just so they could have the scene at the end where, you know, Joker's like, you made me! And then, like, you know, Keith, you made me first. <laughs> For some reason, when you said Metallo, Derek, I thought you were going to say Metallica. I don't know why. Metallica killed Batman. Like, now, now I just burr, imagine the burr, Wayne like, going down some dark alley. Metallica's <laughs> playing, and they just decide to kill the Wings for no reason. Like you downloading from Napster, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Wayne it was already like, uploaded on YouTube. Lars, <laughs> <laughs> take care of him. <laughs> He's like, 
Never rub another man's Napster. <laughs> well, we've been talking about this for like two hours now. Like, do you guys have any like final thoughts on the film? I could talk forever about Batman, but yeah, I guess it is been a minute. I would say it says it's dated. One, duh, it's 30 fucking years old. Of course, it's a little dated. Two, I don't think it's dated that badly. I, I think there's worse offenders out there. There's there's not a whole lot of, uh, at the time, references. You know, nobody's like talking about rap music or, you know, break dancing or, or, or vanilla ice or what have you. So I, I think it's, it's it's got a little bit of that timeless quality. And three... It's, look look at it for the time. Look what it was made. Look at 1989 and where comic book movies were at that point. And I, st- I still stick by my guns. It was a very important movie. It, it opened the doors for how stuff would be going forward. And like it's one of the reasons why we probably have the MCU now. We have such good quality comic book movies. You know, like It had to start somewhere. And uh, I, I give Batman credit in being a part of that. I don't think it was the sole movie that did that. But without a Batman movie, Batman 89, there'd be more to come afterwards and they're like, you know, help be influenced by it. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's totally a noteworthy movie. I, I recognize its place in history. I, I just don't have a lot of like nostalgic like like value of it. I think it's objectively a good movie. But I, I like I, I like objectively, it's a better movie than Batman like forever. But I think I like Batman forever a little better just because it was the first like live action Batman movie I saw in theaters. Like so like maybe, yeah, I just have a little more nostalgic fondness for that one. No, I think that's fair. I mean, there's some things you can say, oh, this is objectively good, but it's not my favorite. Right. Like and, and, and I think, too, uh, for my final thoughts is is kind of what. Tony was getting at is is that this film is something that basically like what 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 Tony uh, kind of triggered in in my my thoughts is that I think people forget like the influence this movie has when they they go into this de-evaluation mode and and I I don't think I'm willing to forget that and I, I think that's independent of my nostalgia like I'm willing to admit my nostalgia for this movie probably makes it a favorite movie of mine you know I think the Batmobile's cool I I enjoy you know m- you know the majority of the casting and everything I think it's a fun movie it's something I've seen repeatedly ad nauseum you know it was a movie that I I watch so many times, kind of like Transformers the movie, I could quote it to you and all this kind of stuff. You know, do a whole Rocky Horror Picture Show type thing with Derek, you know, where he acts out all the scenes or whatever and reenacts the Joker laughing in the fucking surgery thing or, you know, whatever I used to do. But I I think in terms of the historical importance, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, think of it in terms of the the quote-unquote serious comic book film, right? I mean, yeah, you could argue, like, okay, there are some serials and and things that took some of those comic books seriously, but, you know, the quality of those is variable. If you want to say that Batman was living under the shadow of the, the 66 Batman, as a lot of these people like to say, you know, not, not that I'm necessarily a proponent of that or agree with that, but... You you are hard pressed not to admit that without eighty nine Batman, I mean, you know, the only other things I can really point to is obviously Superman the movie played a huge role and impact in you know legitimate box office comic book films. 
in terms of taking comic book properties seriously, like the only other thing I might point to is Kenneth Johnson's Incredible Hulk. And both those things, Superman and Incredible Hulk, were, were, were trailblazers. And, and I think, you know, after Superman kind of overstayed his welcome, you know, with the four films and all that other stuff, then, then they were like, well, what's the next big thing? And if it wasn't for 89 Batman, I mean, I don't think you'd have a lot of the things that, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Batman will get blamed for the death of the comic movie, but I mean, it also kind of kept it in the public zeitgeist for almost the entire 90s. So, like, I, 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 you know, to, I guess what Tony kind of triggered in me is, is just that I think people overlook its importance when they try to downplay it. You know, like, like if you weren't there, or even if you were there, and you want to judge it with like modern sensibilities, like you want to fucking compare it to Iron Man, like that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't fly. There was no, there would be no fucking I, like, you can't. You can't judge this, compare this against Iron Man. There wouldn't be a fucking Iron Man movie if there were 89 Batman or, or Chris Reeves Superman or Kenneth Johnson's Incredible Hulk. There wouldn't be any of this fucking shit that you love so much. So, I don't know. That that That's, I guess, my final thoughts on it. I guess I'll just say that, um, you know, this is something from my childhood that I still appreciate. I may not be crazy about current Batman comics, but I still like the character, and this is something that I can come back to and forget about current nonsense that's going on and just enjoy it for, you know, this nostalgia sakes and just because I still think it's a, a solid movie. Cool. All right. Well, I, I think now's about that time. We're going to wrap up. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the fan holes podcast, our proper show, you can check out the backlog of our episodes over on, fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We've got all the backlog of our episodes over there. If you want to send us angry emails, if you want to bust Vicky Vale's body, oh yeah, oh yeah, you can send us emails about that on fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and, you know, in addition to the proper show, we have plenty of other shows. We've got Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays, We've got Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. We've got Big in Japan, where we talk about anime. And we've got Comics, Motherfucker, Do You Read Them? A podcast where we talk about comic books. So, yeah. And and also, you know, you can you can stream us on Stitcher Radio. We are on iTunes. And you can um, get in contact with us on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So please reach out to us over there. And we appreciate all the likes, shares, retweets, and feedback that we receive. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike, and this podcast needs an enema. This is Justin, and I didn't know I was playing in a cathedral. <laughs> uh, this is Tony, and I gotta do it, because come on, it's 89 Batman. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? It's a question I like to ask of all my friends. I just like the sound of it.
like that one guy in the flashback it's like it was like he was like biff tannen or some shit you 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 ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight see you around kid (laughs) i was like was that was that little skinny dude who was not uh tracy what's his face supposed to be a young bob the goon or did jack napier just hang out with guys that were like 
that looked like Bob the Goon. <laughs> Your Fred the Goon. Yeah, was it was that Bob? Bob the Goon's like I was not the fir- first the Goon. I was not Bob the Goon the first. He was like Bob the Goon the second or something. Bob the Goon explained. I'm just glad Tony didn't inadvertently call anyone Steve on this episode. Steve Steve Burton. <laughs> Steve Keaton. Steve, Steve the Goon. Steve Keaton. Steve Keaton. Uh, last night, Mike, he called um, Peter, Jackson, Peter Jackson. Steve Jackson. So I think for the rest of the night, we were, you know, I was like, I was like, you know, my favorite Superman, Christopher Steve. Like we were just, we, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't shut up about it. So. And I, I was like, oh, I like uh, Alicia Silver Steve from Batman and Robin. <laughs> Not everybody is Steve. In my defense, I was pretty drunk. You, um, were, uh, you weren't pretty. You were very. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just hoping you weren't going to have any repeat instances of uh, knocking yourself out or whatever. You know. <laughs> I, no, I think I you said. Saying. I think you said George McClooney at one point. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that was that was the best. What did, what did I say? I I know I recorded it, so I could go back and listen to it. But there was some there was some Maybe. stupid thing where I, I I said like, oh yeah, you know Tim McBurton, or you know I made some joke <laughs> like that. Hey, that's that's where like half my comedy comes from. I guess on the show is like you know say something stupid. <laughs> where are you going? We'll do the bad to see. And then someone wanted to take his lights out. So you wanna get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. <laughs> Stop.